on hearing God. And uh, you've all got a copy of the, the notes. How many didn't get a copy of the little notebook? Um, we will be following on the slides the notebook, and there'll be some fill-in blanks. And if you need a pencil to fill in the blanks, there's a basket on the table in the back there. You're more than welcome to get yourself a pencil um, and uh, take some notes. Also, there's a, uh, an appendix um, that's available. You may not have got it as you came in, but they're available on the information table. And we'll make reference to those uh, a little bit later. Father, as we embark in your word this morning... More than anything, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to create in each one of us a hunger. A hunger to spend time with you, a hunger to spend time in your word, Lord, and a hunger to converse and have a conversation daily with you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us by your spirit this morning. Allow your word to encourage us and create within us a greater desire to have that time with you. For Lord, we all know theologically and doctrinally that you want to speak to us, you want to lead us, you want to guide us by your spirit. Perhaps we don't experience it in practical terms in our life, and so may our appetites be whetted this morning and in the next number of weeks and spur us on to be led indeed by your Holy Spirit and by your word. Help us as we share this morning, Lord, and help us as we each listen to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. There are a number of Christians and a number of churches that don't believe that God still speaks today. But in these, in these weeks, we want to learn and experience that God still does speak, and that his children, you and I, can still hear his voice. We can still hear him speaking to us, leading us and guiding us and revealing himself to us. And so we begin by saying, Scripture can't be understood apart from hearing the Holy Spirit. Cessationists, those are people who don't believe that God speaks or performs, and in the appendix copy, if you didn't get one of these on the table... It explains a little more what cessationists are, what they believe. But they don't believe that God speaks today or performs miracles today. But they're continually talking about the sufficiency of Scripture. By which they mean that God doesn't need to speak to us additionally. But are they not then claiming to even have the ability to always interpret Scripture correctly... Without the aid of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to interpret Scripture correctly. That position has led them to believe that the best interpreters of God's revelation are ones who have the best interpretive methods, the most knowledge in the original biblical languages, and the historical backgrounds of the biblical period. The ones, in other words, most intelligent and disciplined. They're the ones who can interpret Scripture for us. Interesting. Yet these very scriptures teach that the author of the Bible, and Peter talks about that in Second Peter, the author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. He's really the only reliable interpreter of the Bible, the Holy Spirit. 
John chapter 14, verse 26 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father sent, will teach us all things and remind us of everything that he said to us. Christian scholarship isn't nearly as important as Christian scholars have led us to believe. Now, I'm not against education. I think it's important. But the church, believers, can be easily deceived in this matter because our culture worships intelligence and education. Education is good, but not if it replaces our God-given heritage, which is the ability to hear God. That's our God-given heritage. You have a God-given heritage by the Father when he placed the Holy Spirit in you, and that is to be able to hear the Lord speak to you. That's our God-given heritage. I thank, I'm so thankful for that. It's not blind leading. It's the Holy Spirit leading us. Yes, you can clap. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Helped me preach better. Paul said, God chooses the foolish to confound the wise. In God's wisdom, he actually designed it so that the kingdom truths cannot be fully understood without divine assistance. For they're often hidden. God hides this truth from those who have no intention of obeying him in the first place. John 2.17 If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Now what does God call those who have no intent to obey his will? He calls them proud. Those that are proud. They get a thimble full of knowledge and suddenly they become arrogant and they don't need God anymore. They're proud. Friends, we're never going to come to a place where we don't need God. We need him in every decision and twist and turn of life. Jesus praised God for deliberately hiding kingdom secrets from those kinds of people who are proud. Luke 10 verse 21. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. He hid those truths from those who were proud and arrogant and thought their intelligence was better than anybody else. And Jesus is praising the Father for hiding the truths from those kinds of people. Jesus said kingdom secrets cannot be penetrated by human intelligence or education alone. They're ultimately unlocked by God. Luke chapter 8 verse 10. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables. So that though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. Incredible. And the Spirit reveals these things to those who are humble, who will humble themselves like little children. And there's other verses that talk about that. Now remember that the leading Bible scholars of Jesus' day, they had the Old Testament, and yet they failed to recognize the Messiah when he came. Why? Because Scripture can't be properly understood apart from the revealing ministry of the Holy Spirit. Can't be. No one found the way to the baby Jesus without direct revelation from God. Mary, we all know the story, 
assisted by an angel. Joseph was revealed to him in a dream. The shepherds, it was revealed to them by the angels. The magi were led by a star. Simeon and Anna were prompted by the Holy Spirit. The most striking absence at the manger were the Bible scholars of the day. They weren't there. They didn't recognize Jesus as God's Messiah when he walked among them in his three-year ministry. John 5, 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Not even Jesus' own disciples could recognize him without divine aid, without his help. They couldn't recognize either. Jesus' response to Peter, remember when, when uh, Jesus was saying, you know, people say, this is who I am, this is who I am, but who do you say I am? And Peter responded, and Jesus' response to Peter's confession that he was Christ, the Son of the living God, in Matthew 16, 17, Jesus said, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. The Father revealed it to him. Similarly, the disciples seemed incapable of grasping what Jesus was saying about his impending death. Luke 9, 44, Jesus says to his disciples, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. And then notice, but they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them, so they did not grasp it. It was hidden from them. Nothing is revealed to us except by the Spirit of God. Jesus told them plainly that he would die, but they simply couldn't get it without help. But look at what happened when Jesus appears to the eleven after his resurrection in Luke 24. He says to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Now notice. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Wow. When Jesus opened their minds, they got it. But before that, they couldn't get it. They couldn't understand what he was saying. And if the scholars and Jesus' closest companions couldn't understand everything without the revealing and illuminating work of God, don't you think we need it too? We absolutely do need it. The Apostle Peter, at one point in his life, he needed his theology corrected. I don't know if God has ever corrected your theology. But Peter needed his theology corrected. The apostle Peter was a bigot. Any bigots in the room? You don't have to. <clears throat> I see that hand or I see another. Peter was a bigot who considered all races other than his own to be unclean. Everybody was unclean. His views were socially acceptable in his culture and they merely reflected what he had been raised to believe. But Peter was theologically Wrong. Totally wrong. Out to lunch. In Acts chapter 10, you can read the story, but 
God spoke to Peter through a vision in which a tablecloth of ceremonial unclean animals were being let down in front of him. And Peter was told to eat the unclean meat. Peter's horrified. It wasn't, at this point, a dream to him. It was a nightmare. As he'd been told to, to eat this meat. And he wouldn't eat anything unclean. And God spoke to him in the vision says, Don't call unclean what I have called clean. Now, Peter did not understand the meaning. So a couple of men, sent by Cornelius, arrive at Peter's door. And the Spirit says to Peter, interesting, the Spirit says to Peter, okay, there are three men at the door. Go with them, for I have sent them. Peter goes with them back to Cornelius, and he goes into Cornelius' house. Acts chapter 10, verse 28 says, You are well aware that it is against our law, Peter's saying, for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. And he continues in verse 34. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Every nation. So we have... um, People here from Mexico, right? Who's from Mexico? I want you to stand up. Just stand for a minute. Okay, who's from Colombia? You stand. Who's from Peru? We have a new family right here from Peru. Who's from... Um, where? Which other one do we have? Um, Honduras. And who's from Nigeria? Anybody, stay standing up. Wanda, stay standing Who? Anybody from Nigeria? And from where? Ecuador. Ecuador. Absolutely, Ecuador right there. And from who's from Quebec? <laughs> oh, just, just teasing. <clears throat> You never know, someday they might, anyway, won't get political. Um, hmm? Argentina? Is it Portugal? No, it's, um, your mom's from Portugal. Where's Marta from again? Venezuela. Um, And um, who's from Britain? Hey, who's from um, the U.S. of A? Hey, who's from... Um, okay, well, what about uh, Trinidad or the West Indies? The islands down there, you know, where it's nice and hot all the time. Um, where are you from? Brazil? Oh, that's a different nation. So, um, Okay, who am I missing? Help me. Well, who's from Canada? Who's, you were born and raised in Canada. That's who you are. Okay, who are we missing? Are we missing anybody from Holland? Or where are you folks from? South Africa? 
Now, you've been here before. Last year, yes. Last year. <laughs> Fantastic. South Africa. And where are you from? South Africa. Awesome. Look at this. And who are we missing? Anybody? Whoever. Now, look at different nations. Thank you. You can be seated. Yeah, she, she was. Every nation. So, friends, don't call anybody from any other nation unclean, right? We all maybe participate in unclean things, maybe, till we came to Christ. But um, so here's Peter getting a a doctrine theology correction from God, saying, "Don't call anything unclean that I've made clean." I'm so grateful that when we came to know Jesus Christ, He forgave all of our sin. Every last bit of it. And it's gone. Like the song we used to sing in Sunday school, G-O-N-E, gone. All my sins are gone. How many know that song? How many don't know it? Oh, you deprived people. Don't have to go back to that era and learn the songs. We'll mention some other songs from that era in a minute. But, um, and so Peter gets this theological lesson. Now, friends, If God has never corrected your theology or doctrine in anything, perhaps you haven't been listening. Maybe we just haven't been listening. Scripture cannot be understood apart from hearing the Holy Spirit. Secondly, Scripture teaches there's revelation besides the Bible. Now that makes some people nervous. I'm not saying we're going to write another book like some have that's on the same level and plane as Scripture. No, no, I'm not saying that at all. Cessationists, they use 1 Corinthians 13 to support their claim that God doesn't speak apart from the Bible anymore. Yet this passage actually says the opposite. Notice 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect Disappears. Now they use that verse to say that tongues, prophecy, gifts has all gone away now because we have the canon of scripture. We've got 66 books of the Bible. So now we've got all that. We don't need these tongues and knowledge which are speaking gifts. But the scripture there says, when will they cease? When perfection comes. When perfection comes comes and the context here makes it crystal clear that perfection is not referring to the completion of the canon 1st Corinthians 13 12 says now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror then we shall see face to face Paul says when perfection comes we're going to see God face to face when's that at his second coming perfection isn't here till we look at him face to face And so the speaking gifts will cease when we see him face to face. So those that tell you the speaking gifts are dead and gone, you're referring back to the scripture and say, has perfection come? Because he hasn't come yet. Not that I, if if he came, we're all in trouble, friends. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, also now I know in part, then I shall know fully. 
Do you understand fully today just because we've got the completed scriptures? No. We've got the 66 books. Do we understand everything completely fully? No, we don't. Not at all. And we won't until Jesus returns. We only see, Paul says, dimly now. So the speaking gifts will cease when we know fully at his second coming. If speaking gifts like prophecy, tongues, and knowledge remain until Jesus returns, then obviously they're here for the purpose of transmitting further messages from God. Does God give useless gifts? He just throws things around just for... No. He doesn't throw gifts around that have no meaning or no purpose. So scripture describes for us the nature of these kinds of communications. Notice. He says we're going to receive understanding from God. Ephesians 1.17 I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we might have understanding from God. Then he says that we might receive a message from God in 1 Corinthians 14.26. When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, okay, a message, a tongue, or an interpretation. Thirdly, we can receive direction from God in Galatians 2. Fourteen years later, I went up again in Jeru- to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation. Where he's, he received direction from God. So these additional revelations do not compromise scripture. For they're a very different type of revelation. And the Bible reliably fixes the boundaries of what God will ever say to humankind. Knowledge of the Bible acts as a filter through which the events of our daily lives have to pass before we discern if God is truly speaking in these events. So that we can measure what we're hearing and not be led astray by our own thoughts or by the devil because he too will tempt us and try to deceive us. And So we can tell the difference when we know the word is from God or not. But in order to do that, we have to know the word of God. Hearing God, now friends here, hearing God is a wonderful gift, a heritage of the believer, but dangerous if we don't spend time in the word of God. That's when we get those loony bins, you know those, somebody said, sometimes the moving of the Holy Spirit is like an old Model T Ford when all the nuts and bolts come loose. And sometimes, you know, without direction, without boundaries, it's like, I'm sure you've been there, right? Some of you. How many experienced the charismatic movement? Sometimes called the charismaniac movement. The outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, and it was just, Sometimes just a free-for-all with no boundaries, no instruction, and all, all that kind of stuff. And I won't get into some of the things we've seen or whatever as well, but we all know what it's like. There needs to be boundaries. We need to know the Word of God. And if we don't know the Word, if we're not spending time in the Word, you will hear thoughts and you will hear voices, but they may not be God's voice. And everything we hear has to be filtered through the Word. If the word contradicts what you're hearing, you're hearing wrong. 
It has to be filtered through the scripture. For instance, if a young person asks about marrying a non-Christian girlfriend or boyfriend, their feelings might be telling them it is right. However, it contradicts what is written in the word. And so the feelings must be rejected. If it says in the word that we shouldn't be unequally yoked together, then don't be unequally yoked together. Now, obviously, once you've come to know Christ, and one, one, or you've married, one person comes to know Christ, that's not meaning, okay, dump the person, right? Because whom God hath joined together, let nobody put asunder, right? And so then we're praying for the salvation of the person. I'm just saying for, for example's sake, If we're asking God for something and our feelings are saying one thing and yet our feelings are contradictory to the word of God, which one are we going to go by? We have to go by the word. It is a Christian belief that nothing further will be said by God to extend or contradict biblical principles. God does not contradict himself. Even though some people have tried to show that he has. He does not contradict himself. You know, friends, the fact that someone doesn't hear God doesn't prove that God doesn't speak to people today. Just because somebody says they don't hear God doesn't mean that God doesn't speak. It's an objection rooted in lack of experience. And it's simply an admission that they can't hear God. They're saying, well, God doesn't speak to me. Well, yes, he speaks, but then you're not listening. How many know when you're raising kids, there's times when you have to get them to look right in your face, make eye contact, or they don't hear you? Even sometimes when they're teens, and even sometimes when we're married. We need to get eye contact because our minds are somewhere else, or we're in a different... Men might be in a different box. Men have different boxes. you know. So you've got to get them in the right box and then talk to them. But So... The same thing is here. God is speaking, but we're just not hearing. Just because we don't hear a variety of sounds that animals make doesn't invalidate the fact of those sounds. When we ask the question, does God still speak today? I believe the scriptures answer with a resounding yes. He does still speak today. Though he doesn't speak to the proud and the arrogant, he delights to speak to two kinds of people. This ought to encourage you. Now, please take this in the right context and spirit. But first, God likes to speak to people who think they're too simple. They're too simple. I'm not talking mentally. Just think they're too simple. Notice John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, Jesus said his sheep would hear his voice. How many sheep we got in the room? How many sheep? You're one of his sheep? Join the club. Jesus said his sheep would hear his voice. Didn't say seminary graduates. Didn't say geniuses. Now, they can hear his voice, but he says his sheep. Now, friends, sheep 
are dumb. One goes over the cliff, guess what? They follow, right? It's just like, sheep are dumb. So when Jesus said that his sheep would hear his voice, he was setting the bar really low. Right? We could all hear his voice. He was setting the bar really, really, really low. It's not complicated. In fact, he's saying it's for everyone. It's for you. It's not rocket science to hear God. And in a moment, we're going to hear a testimony in a few minutes about one man who heard God for himself and the resulting um, conversation and events that that spilled out in, in his life. And he found that he too could recognize and hear God's voice. And then he discovered his wife could recognize God's voice. And then he shared it with the youth and young adults that he was leading, and they heard his voice. And now his children and his grandchildren regularly hear his voice. And so do hundreds and hundreds of others in the church that he pastors. So, people who think they're too simple first. Second, people who think they're too bad. He likes to speak to people who think they're too bad. Remember the Samaritan woman who had seven husbands? And she was now living with another. And Jesus was accused of speaking with gluttons and drunkards and sinners. And, and he's still speaking to us today. He still talks to us. I don't care how simple you may think you are. It may be an advantage to you. Or how bad you've been. Jesus longs to speak to us. In fact, he's already speaking to you. He loves you that much. He's already speaking to you. In fact, you may just not have recognized his voice yet. An example in scripture is young Samuel. He was a young lad who had been dedicated to the service of the Lord by his mother, Hannah. You know the story, he's laid down to go to sleep for the night, and, and the Lord calls him in 1 Samuel chapter 3. The lamp of the God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. It wasn't until the third time that Eli finally clued in that it must have been God calling the boy. First Samuel 3, 8. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Shammai went down, went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. How many of you have ever had that kind of experience? Anybody? A, where it was just like, it might as well have been an audible voice. God was so speaking to you. That is an incredible experience. Incredible. Now, God doesn't always speak like that, but He could speak as an impression in your mind. He could speak through a verse, just kind of, and you know that, just kind of popped out at you, or maybe it was, you know, a sermon that Pastor Roger was preaching, and just kind of, boom, God just spoke to you. Just how God chooses to speak. And as a church, Friends, as a church, as leadership in the church, I'm so excited 
Now, we did this kind of in a seminar format some time ago with all of our life groups and um, some discussion and, and, and whatnot. But we're here, and we want, every one of us, we want you to be able to hear and grow in understanding and hearing God's voice. I believe it's important that we hear God speaking to us. For one thing, it could sure lighten the counseling load if we would just understand and know to spend time hearing God. The New Testament abounds with examples in which the early church ordered their lives by what they heard God say to them apart from Scripture and guided by the Holy Spirit. Post-biblical saints. And you can read about them. There's some amazing biographies about these people like Augustine, Francis of Assisi, Martin Luther, John Wesley, George Mueller, Andrew Murray, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Spurgeon, D.L. Moody, A.W. Tozer, James Dobson, Elizabeth Elliot, Dallas Willard, Jack Deere, Richard Foster, Francis Schaeffer, John Ortberg, Rick Warren, Lauren Cunningham, so many that have recorded things that God has spoken to them or showed them and are examples of, yes, God still speaks today. And maybe you've heard your parents or your grandparents or, or your, one of your siblings say, you know, I think God just talked to me. Don't ever, you know, push that down. Say, oh, what, what did you think he said? What? And then you go to Scripture and say, that, this is what God was saying. I remember when we were in Bible college, there was a guy from, doesn't matter where he was from, but he was dead set on marrying this certain girl. And kept saying, God told him he was going to marry this girl and this is how it was going to happen. And in fact, I heard him many times in chapel, up behind the, the uh, pulpit, and crying and weeping out to God and calling out this girl's name. Now, she unfortunately, unfortunately, whichever way you look at it, never heard God say that. You know, they never, never did get married or whatever, but sometimes, you know, we think we're hearing God and it's not based on the word, it's not backed up, it's not confirmed by anything, it's just like uh, whatever. Now some of the hymns that we used to sing when I was a kid, um, we don't sing anymore for some reason or other and we won't get into the reasons pro and against, but... <coughs> I'm just saying this because some of the hymns of the faith... Now, that's not to say some of the hymns today and the songs we sing today don't have the same um, information in them, but going back to some of these hymns of the faith, they point to the same experience. Here's, let me just list some of the titles. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. It's all about being led. All the way my Savior leads me. Lead on, O King Eternal. Where he leads me, He leadeth me, Holy Spirit, faithful guide. Jesus, Savior, pilot me. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. I remember we sang that in in, uh, Bible code. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. How many know that song? Oh, a few of us. Um, Great old hymn, whatever. Just to say, those songwriters from that date, I'm not saying the ones this day don't either, but they knew that God speaks. You look at some of the songs we sing now on how God had been speaking to people as they wrote them and how they came out of certain experiences in life where God showed them and revealed himself to them. It is amazing how God 
I mean, he's confirming he still speaks today. And you, God wants to speak to you. Now listen, in this six weeks, in a moment we're going to do a little bit of experiment, and it may be something different for you and something um, foreign. But don't let it discourage you. The last thing we want to do is embarrass anybody. So we're not going to do that. But just want to have us do something very simply where you're seated um, just to kind of help us in this whole process of, of learning and practicing in the sense of hearing God. But as we do that, there's a video clip I want you to see of um, Pastor in Steinbeck, Manitoba, uh, Ray Dirksen, and how he responds to, as he's teaching on the same subject, an experience he had um, in his early ministry in life on hearing God. Any message that he gives, any direction that he gives, it will never contradict the written word of God. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And it's uh, perfectly safe within that context. So he's given us the word to show us how we can listen. Isn't that amazing? And so that we can stay on track and not get off the rails and land up in one ditch or the other. It is the Christian belief that nothing further will be said by God to extend or contradict, that's a fill-in-the-blank, biblical principles. Nothing. God will never tell you to contradict. Uh, You know, somebody says, uh, I'm divorced my wife. To 24... It's quite a ways to the right, not the other way. Is it 24? Any message that he gives, any direction that he gives, it will never contradict the written word of God. Would you agree with that? Uh, go a little farther until you go past those. Uh, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. birthright of the believer. My sheep, what? Hear my voice. It's that simple. Keep going. There's, uh, we have uh, great hymns of the faith. Okay, try there. Those hymns, and we're experiencing hearing God. That's good. And I think that's exciting. What a heritage we have. What a rich heritage from, uh, from our Christian forefathers. Amen? A tremendous thing. Well, in 1982, I'll tell you how how I intentionally began to hear God's voice it was 1982. And I, uh, I, I'd been flying for a living, and God had called me into vocational ministry. So I went to Bible college, and I was going to school in the Kitchener-Waterloo area. And uh, one night, uh, it was midnight, and I was, uh, uh, I was reading a friend. Uh, in fact, it was a friend who I used to fly together with. And he had given me the autobiography of George Miller. And so I was reading it at midnight. My wife was asleep next to me, and my kids were uh, fast asleep. Uh, 
And uh, as I was reading it, I, uh, I, I was just uh, amazed at the, at the story Can that I was reading because uh, he had decided he wanted to demonstrate God to an unbelieving population in England. And he said, God, they just don't believe in you. I want to demonstrate you. How can I demonstrate you? And then God gave him the idea um, of uh, starting an orphanage. And uh, eventually, at some point, he he ended up taking care of 10,000 orphans over his lifetime. Tremendous story. And uh, and so he wanted to start, and he had a piece of land. He had a building where he was going to start. And the night before, you know, typical of a guy... You know, you have the land and you have the building. And what else would you need? Uh, oh, yeah, there's dishes and there's, there's bedding and there's food and uh, a few other things that are needed besides, right? And suddenly he's in a panic the night before. He can't believe he overlooked it. And the first children are arriving the next morning. You have to remember, this is the 19th century. And there's no Blackberries and iPhones. There's no emails. There's uh, no texting. There's nothing. And, uh, and so he goes to God, and he's crying out to God, and he's reading the word, and he gets to Psalm 81, verse 10, and it says, Open thy mouth wide. This is the King James Version, because that's, that's what he was reading. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. And when he read that, something just grabbed his heart, and he knew God was speaking to him. And so he claimed that verse right there, and he said, Oh God, here's my list. And he started to pray his list, you know, opening his mouth. And he started to pray his list of all the things that he didn't have. And the next morning, carriages started to pull up, you know, the horses and the carriages, and they dropped off food, and they dropped off blankets, and they dropped off dishes, and they dropped off all the things that were on his list, and he couldn't communicate with anybody. That's an incredible story. I was sitting there, and I began to weep. I was about uh, 28 years old or something like that. And I began to weep. I said, I can't believe it. They told me that God doesn't speak anymore, but this is the 19th century and he was speaking to George Miller. He must still be speaking. So when Fran woke up in the morning, I said, Honey, God is still speaking. She said, What do you mean? I just read. He talked to a guy in the 19th century. He must be speaking. And uh, the interesting thing is God had set it all up, you know, uh, uh, that I'd be reading it right then, because it was 1982 and the interest rates had spiked in southern Ontario, maybe here too, really bad in the 20%. People were walking away from their homes and all the big industries were shutting down. Now, I was going to school during the day and I was was working a job from uh, 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon till 2 in the morning. I'd sleep for a few hours and go back to school. That's how I was going because I had a little family. And, uh, and so that business shut down, and I, 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 didn't, I couldn't get any money. I couldn't get a job. I didn't have anything. I had four little mouths to, to feed, and my wife too, and, uh, and myself. And uh, so uh, here was a, a German guy by the name of Jürgen Lehne. He was living in the Kitchener area. He had two driving schools. And one day, just out of the blue, he said, I'll sell you one of my driving schools. And uh, so I said, how much? And he told me how many thousands of dollars it was going to be. And I said, well, I don't even have a cent right now. I, I have nothing. So that's the context in which I read this story. So I said to, I said to Fran, I said, God is still speaking, and I'm going to check if he speaks to me too. I'm going to try it. So she said, what are you going to do? I said, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up uh, early in the morning, 
And I'm going to sit down and I'm going to give him my list and see if he will talk to me. And so the, the next morning I got up real early. The family was asleep. I got a, one of these little Hillroy spiral uh, uh, notebooks, you know, and a uh, little green thing. And uh, I didn't know what to do. Nobody had shown me this. So I thought, well, I got out my pen and I wrote uh, a little prayer to God in my Hillroy. And uh, then finally I said, and God, uh, what should I be doing next? And then I said, oh, yeah, uh, and please, like, I need to know if you want me to buy this business. And I need to know if you're going to supply money and how I'm supposed to get money. And then I said, oh, yeah, and God, one more thing, please make it plain. Because I, I didn't want to be playing weird games and, and guessing. And, you know, like, I just didn't know. And so I thought, well, uh, what do I do next? Um, I thought, well, I'll pick up the reading, my Bible reading where I'd be left off. I was in the Gospel of John, and I was in Psalms in the Old Testament. So I'll pick up my reading in John. So I started reading in the Gospel of John. And uh, I hadn't gone very many verses. I got to verse 13 and 25 of chapter 16. And it says, and this is in King James, so I have to read it. Whatsoever ye shall hear... That shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. And the minute I read that plainly thing, that word just just grabbed my heart so and squeezed me so tight, I just began to bawl right there in the living room. I went, my goodness, he just spoke to me. I told him, please make it plainly. He says, no problem, I'll make it plain. I said, how can God do that? And I thought, he actually speaks. He not only spoke in the 19th century, now I know he's speaking in the 20th century. It was the 20th century then. I, I couldn't believe it. So then I said, well, how am I going? You know, I asked more questions. How am I going to get the money? So, well, nothing more spoke to me. I finished reading in Gospel of John. I flipped over to Psalm 37. And I continued my reading in the Psalms. And uh, when I got to verse 21, it says, and here I'm quoting it again, The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. And the minute I read it, boom! And I went, somebody who's saved is going to give me the money. And I thought, this is a good deal. (laughs) I thought this was, but I was on such a roll that I thought, okay, I'm just going to read a few more verses in case there's anything else he wants to say. And so I kept reading, and really what I should have done is stopped. Because I read to verse 26, and it happened again. And I read, He, the righteous, is ever merciful and lendeth. And the moment I read lendeth, he really squeezed my heart again. I said, oh, no. Giveth, lendeth. Now I was confused, but I knew which one I wanted it to be. <laughs> it's supposed to be the giveth part. And uh, so both times the Spirit spoke a rhema into my heart, but it was confusing. So uh, the next morning, uh, or that morning, Fran wakes up and, and uh, she said, Well, honey, how did it go? And I said, He's still speaking. I said, He spoke to me this morning. I told her the story. She just shook her head. She said, This is amazing. And I said, but I'm really confused about this giveth and lendeth part. Um, I hope it's a giveth, but he, there's something about the lendeth too. So, well, her, uh, bro- her one brother was getting married right about that time. We flew out here. The, the family had got money together. We didn't have money. They flew us all out. And uh, uh, it was her brother David. And, and uh, he was getting married on a Saturday morning. 
So on Saturday morning, I got up real early. I was having my devotions. I was, I was all dressed up, had my, my suit on, and, and I had, uh, uh, you know, I was done, it was like 8 o'clock in the morning. And her father comes walking down the stairs into the basement where we were staying uh, in their home, and, um, and he's got his boutonniere on. He's ready for the wedding, which is going to start at 11, and it's an exciting day. And he says, uh, Ray, uh, do you mind if I interrupt you? No. Well, what's up, Dad? He said, uh, do you have time to go to the bank right now? to the credit union. And I said, for what? He said, for the money you need to buy that business so you can take care of your family. And I said, Dad, you don't have the money. I know you don't have the money. No, but we've been praying. And he said, in the middle of the night, this, uh, God woke me up this night and told me to call a particular woman. And he said, I did just a few minutes ago. And I began to explain. And the woman cut me off and said, if it's money you need for him, just go to the Stomach Credit Union and the money will be there. I'll phone him and I'll co-sign the loan. Lend it. So we went there, got the money, and uh, flew back home after the uh, wedding. And start, I started instructing with this little uh, dri- driving school business. I'd only gone a couple of months, so we'd get a statement in the mail from the Stomach Credit Union. And, uh, you know, it showed the balance, and basically it was all, uh, you know, you paid interest, and there was virtually nothing came uh, uh, down because the interest rates were so very, very high. So it really didn't change, hardly, except that on the fourth month, we got the statement, and I opened the envelope, and it said, the balance said zero. And I said, oh, that's ridiculous. They made a mistake. So I gave it to Fran. She had worked there once. I said, honey, would you take care of this? Just give them a call, and... and, uh, and, 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 yeah, she said, no, no problem. Obviously, if somebody's made a clerical error there or something. So she called the bank, and they went and they checked, and they said, no, there's no mistake. It's paid. And then she said, well, it's impossible. We just got the loan. We've only made this. And she said, here's my checks, and it's not paid. And the woman went back. She came back, and she said, I'm, it's paid. It's completely paid out. And so Fran hung up the phone. She said, it's paid. And I said, well, that's impossible. We're standing there. All of a I'm thinking about this woman. And I'm thinking, well, did she pay for that? But I didn't want to phone her or write her and ask, did you pay? Because what if she didn't? And then it looks like she should have. <laughs> you know? You feel kind of awkward, right? But she never told us anything. And finally I said to Fran, we better write her. Like, if she did, and now we don't say thank you, that really looks bad. So I write this nice little letter, and, uh, because there was no e- email in those days. And uh, a week or so later, the, uh, I get a letter back. we get a letter back. I open it up, read it, and it says in two sentences something to the effect of, yes, I paid it out, don't tell anybody. And then there's a little paragraph about flowers and stuff like that, and it's a very nice day. And then signs off and says, please don't tell anybody. Close the letter, and we're standing in the living room, and all at once something just grabs me in my heart. And it says, he lendeth and he giveth. Talk about accuracy. Amen? I mean, that's how... That's how specifically God can lead and direct and speak to us. It's amazing, isn't it? Can you say it's amazing? amazing. It is totally amazing. And uh, it, so that's it, good. Uh, that's I good. Mean, Thanks. Appreciate that.
Now, maybe you in your life, in your life experience, you've experienced something similar, and you initially wondered, how is that really going to work out, and how does that all play in, our, in my life? And, and, uh, or maybe sometimes you've sensed God was saying something, and you know, we're uncertain, and then later on you look back and say, wow, he really was showing me. He really was saying something. He really was you know, giving me uh, an illustration. I'm sure many of you have stories and accounts and testimonies you can relate. And if that's the case, I would love to hear them. Whether we'd have time to have some of them shared every Sunday or whatever, but I would love to hear them, if you don't mind sharing them, to really solidify in your own mind as well that, yes, God was speaking to me. God did speak to me. And this is how it all played out, and this is how it worked. And, and uh, just that you might have an opportunity to, to really kind of rehearse that and also solidify, yes, God was speaking to you. Now, in your booklets, um, in the, uh, it's kind of a little handout placed in the back of your booklet, um, and uh, along with um, one, the handout that's loose is kind of your homework. So it's going to be like you're in school, you're going to have homework. But the part that is still, page six, that is still stapled in that booklet um, has some real simple questions. And I want us to just do a couple of these questions, you know, by yourself. Uh, just answer them. Uh, if there's a pen or a pencil you need, um, there are some pencils on the table in the back. Um, it's not an excuse to pretend you're getting a pencil and then leave. Um, we have ushers in the foyer to stop. No, no, just kidding. Um, I, I just think this is an important part of uh, not just hearing the word, but being a doer of the word. And so when you look at um, uh, exercise one on page six, when you made the decision to follow Jesus, what happened in you that made you think or feel that you needed to do that? How did you know? How could you tell that he came into your life? Now, for some, this may be going back a lot of years. Others, it may be going back just a few years. But I want you to think about that. I want you to write some kind of an answer. When you made the decision to follow Jesus, what happened in you that made you think or feel that you needed to do that? How did you know? How could you tell that he came into your life? So we're going to wait maybe a minute or so and just give you an opportunity to jot something down there. There's probably a lot you could write, but at least you got started on it. I want you to jump to the page 7 at the very top under alphabet C. Have you ever been reading scripture 
when suddenly a thought came to you that helped you understand that passage in a way you hadn't understood it before. In reading scripture, when suddenly a thought came to you that helped you understand that passage in a way you hadn't understood it before. Just don't answer yes. I want to share with you an illustration that would answer the one on the very bottom of that page seven, where it says, have you ever felt a prompting, a nudge, or urgency to do or not to do something? Explain. Years ago, a lot of years ago, probably, um, um, anyway, a lot of years ago, and we had moved from the Yukon, pastoring in the Yukon, to the Okanagan. And we were meeting in an old United Church, and uh, the congregation there in, uh, was assembled. They had just kind of begun meeting together, and it was, the congregation was made up of gray hair and no hair, uh, if you get my drift. It was just a few older people. I mean, we were young. I was probably 20... 25 at the time and um, there was a couple of teenage girls who were belonged to one of the families anyway we were meeting there and and uh, that was kind of our meeting place and we were living in a rented house and and back then we were paid we were getting paid $500 a month that was our salary and um, whatever um, and so I was driving into town it was now called West Kelowna, West Bank at the time, and I ran out of gas, which I don't run out of gas. Um, I don't think you can count on one finger besides that time, times I run out of gas. Anyway, so I ran out of gas right by this driveway, and so I walked down the driveway to see if I could borrow a telephone. And um, while I was in there borrowing the telephone, this thought came into my head. Ask them if they'll sell you their property. Now, there was no for sale sign. There was nothing. I thought, (laughs) okay. So I said, would you be willing to sell us your property? And the lady, who had their their well-known name in the Okanagan, they don't sell their orchards. Okay, it was Parsi and Orchard. and, And she said, Sure. I about fainted. And so, I'm not sure if it was that visit or another visit. I talked to Price. And, and uh, so, I, I don't even remember how I got gas. But anyway, I got out of there somehow. 
And we ended up buying that property. It was uh, seven acres? Seven acres. Um, And we ended up selling two acres to the Department of Highways because I didn't know, but they were going to put a road right through there. We sold two acres to the Department of Highways, and the other five acres cost us only $15,000. Right on... You ever been to West Bank? Emanuel Assembly sits there now, right on, on the main highway where the highway is divided through West Kelowna and West Bank. And I look back, I think, wow, God. And not only that, I mentioned to the church that we were thinking of, of buying this. We don't know how we're going to get the money and all that kind of stuff. And so one lady says, well, I feel God wants us to march around the property once a day for six days, seven days, seven times. You know what that story in the Bible. I thought, mm, okay. So every morning we got up and marched around this barbed wire piece of property. Sunday morning we had to get up a little early because they'd do seven times. And then all this whole deal unfolded um, with us costing only us $15,000. It was an incredible account. Now there's been many times, and maybe for you, you could write something down there. Have you ever felt a prompting, a nudge, or an urgency to do or not to do something? And jot it down and explain. These are times when you can... Rehearse and remember the things that God has done to you. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of other questions, but I want you to go to a minute to exercise two on page eight. And here's where it really gets exciting. Um, and this is probably my most fun part of my day now. I was going to bring my, my journal, but a number of years ago, my, my wife bought me a little leather-bound journal with you know leather strap around it and I hadn't used it and so I started um, a year ago using that as a, as a journal and, and doing exactly what's listed here listening prayer exercise and the way to enter God's presence is through praise and so I don't know how many of you how many of you on a regular basis whether that's once a week or every day you do journal anybody do journal I just encourage you to if, I, if, I, if we could afford it as a church, I would have got everybody a journal. I would have bought you a journal. But you, you check the finances and the bullets, and that's just not in the budget this time. But if you can get a journal or buy a journal or find a journal, make a journal, whatever, where you can record your time with the Lord every day. And so you begin, as Scripture says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, and you just begin to praise God and thank him for the previous day and thank him for life and thank him for your family, whatever comes to your mind to thank the Lord. And so you enter the end just praise, and you may not feel like praising. Well, then just thank the Lord for something. And it's amazing what happens when you begin to praise him with gratefulness. And then there's a question here on, on the next page, on page nine, where you've You've been thanking the Lord. You've been praising the Lord. Now you want to ask a question. And so when you're asking a question, um, you put, uh, at least I do, I put my R for my initial, and then I ask the Lord a question. You know the hardest question I had to ask the Lord, or ask the Lord was, way back then, was this question here. For example, what do you like about me? I said to, I said to God, what do you like about me? Do you know for Christians that's probably the most difficult question to ask because we have heard so much condemnation from the enemy. He bombards our mind with all kinds of things. You're useless. You're And so to even think, to answer that question, the enemy wants to bombard you with all kinds of condemnation. How dare you think that? You proud, arrogant person. 
I mean, have you ever experienced when your parents, your mom or your dad or some coach or whatever, told you the nice things that they thought about you and how they viewed you and what that did for you? Can you only imagine what that might have done for that person when you do it? You know what it's like when you share with your child and you tell them what you think of them and how good. I've, I've noticed on Facebook, many of you, you post those proud moments for your kids and when they're graduating or when this event or that event. And I'm sure you're just swelling up with pride and, and your kids are probably just busting at the seams because of that. Have you ever stopped to ask God, what do you like about me? What do you like about me? So you have R, I, I do R. And God, what do you like about me? And then, you put, then I put G. And you take your pencil or your pen and you stick it on the... If you've got one of these in the church, you can do it in the dark. But And you stick your pen where you've written G and you, and you put it on, on the... If you just sit there like this thinking... Doesn't even work. Put your pen on your paper and just begin to write your thoughts. Write. And just keep writing as long as the thoughts are coming. Just keep writing. You might be amazed at what God reveals to you, what He thinks about you. There may be a verse that comes to your mind. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Before you were born, I knew you. The plans and purpose I have for you are not to harm you, but to prosper you and to bless you and give you a future. I think you're awesome. You're one of a kind. I've given you particular gifts and abilities, and you're just writing what God thinks about you. Well, we know what other people have thought about us. We know what the enemy thinks about us. But allow God to show you what he thinks about you. And then... You're writing those thoughts and you go, you go you're initially like an R. Maybe you ask him another question. And, and on, the, uh, on the homework sheet, there's a list of all kinds of questions on page 12 that you can ask. God, what do you see when you look at me? Now, here's a good one. What sin do you want me, what sin do you want to reveal to me? God, what sin do you want to reveal to me? When and for how long do you want me to meet with you each day? You ever thought to ask God that? God, when would you like me to meet with you and for how long would you like me to set aside some time? Let me show you. How do you want me to structure my life? Some of us are so busy we have no, slot, no time slotment for God. It's just kind of if there's time. Is there anything that keeps me from full surrender to you? What things do you want me to pray for myself? What things do you want me to pray for in my marriage or in my family? Or, as it says there, ask the Holy Spirit to bring a question to your mind. When you receive an idea, write it down. There's so many things that God wants to show us. And he wants you to spend time with him. And so, in here there's an example of, on the homework sheet of, of journaling. 
of, of the, the pastor we heard on the, on the DVD or, or the video there, what he did. Now, that's an interesting question where he writes, when he says at the top of page 12, is there any sin you wish to reveal to me that I need to confess and forsake? And God said to him, yes, you spend too much time watching TV. Would God say that to any of us? Or you spend too much time on social media, or you spend whatever. And he says, Lord, why is that a sin in your eyes? Because instead of spending time reading your Bible, praying, reading helpful books, or serving me, you waste your time on something that will not help you eternally. Ouch. Let God speak to us. And I, friends, I want to hear. And Pastor Roger and I and our spouses, we want to hear what God is saying to you. A lot of that something necessarily private that is for you and you only. But we want to hear what God is saying to you because we can all grow together. We can all learn to understand and listen to God. And so here's some questions. Here's some very simple ideas. And and if you have any questions about these workout sheets and handout sheets, by all means, come and talk to us before you leave today. Maybe it's something you don't understand or whatever. Uh, We just want to be here to help you. And like I say, the funnest part of my day. Now, I'll be honest, I haven't been faithful every day, but there's not that many days that I've missed. And just sitting down and just writing and talking to God and listening and reading some scripture and saying, God, what does this mean? What are you trying to say to me through this verse? And just questions and allowing him to speak to you. There's some things that God has said to me about um, the future of our church and, and things that are, where things are going to be going. And I think, okay, God, when is, when is it time to share that kind of stuff? And he hasn't said so yet. So it's just there in my journal. Don't try and steal my journal. And just let God speak to you. Now, maybe some of you are already doing something similar to this already. And I'm just hopefully praying that maybe this will just augment what you're doing. It'll just maybe give you another perspective or whatever. Um, But uh, email us. uh, Let us know. You can do it through the website there, through the prayer requests or any of the forums there. And let us know what God is saying to you. And share the excitement of the journey. The next five weeks, we're going to do some more. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about hearing God and how, the, how Scripture speaks to us, um, as well as how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And then we're going to go to speak through the Scripture. And we're going to talk in these terms about boundaries, how we don't get off into the ditches of uh, what God is saying. And uh, so, does that sound good for you? Okay? Father, I thank you for your word and I just thank you, Lord, for just your amazing desire to want to spend time with your children. And Lord, I pray that even as we endeavor perhaps this week to try to set aside 30 minutes a day, and just kind of as a, maybe a starting goal, just to spend that time away from all the distractions and just us and you. Lord, I pray that as you speak into our lives, that there'll be a a renewed excitement that builds because of all the things you want to show us and you want to share with us and questions you want to answer and direction you want to give and revelation you want to show to us, understanding that you want to bring. So Lord, I pray your blessing upon your people as we embark on this amazing, exciting journey together. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to say as well that 
musicians are going to come, but if, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, please don't leave without having a chat with us. We want to talk to you about the most amazing relationship that you can have, and that's with Jesus Christ. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants to take away the guilt and the shame and all the things in your life. He wants to give you more than a ticket to heaven. He wants to be your best friend. He wants to have a relationship with you. And so if that's you, I'd love to talk with you. And musicians are going to lead us in a song. And, and uh, we're just going to allow you to come and bring your tithes and offerings to the baskets at the front here. And then uh, after that, we're going to pray a benediction on you and bless you as you go. But um, we're going to need some guys to help us um, before you leave. Because tomorrow VBS starts and we have over 60 kids registered for this next week. And so we need to take all these chairs and stack them at the back. Because the kids use this area, um, the stage will be decorated even more than it is now, but they use this area for all kinds of things. And so if we could just get help to stack the chairs at the back, no more than six high, and just locate them so that and you'll see which way the chairs could easily tip. So make sure that they're not pointing that way so they don't get tipped over any of these young kids when they're running around. So well, that'd be great. But And pray with us this week. I want to say thanks to all the volunteers I know online we have over 17 people that have volunteered this next week. Now, some of those, obviously, are kids who have gone through VBS, um, and they just want to be a junior helper, and that's amazing. And for all those that are volunteering and helping, and, and you've given financially and, and all those kinds of ways, I just want to say God bless you, because you're making an investment in kids for eternity. And it's an important great investment and uh, so uh, that's awesome and if you can help as well on Friday with cleanup uh, please talk to Gwen and because uh, Friday everything's got to be put back together uh, for the weekend and so and we do it again in August so that'll be great so let's stand shall we as we worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings and we sing this song together